Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Uh, Keisha has got coming to tell you guys about a little something. Before she does, let me say this. About a month and a half, two months ago, Alex, Keisha, and I were sitting in my office, uh, and we were talking about the pandemic. We were talking about the needs that people have during this season that we're, we're still in. By the way, did you know that one year ago today was the last time we were all together before COVID really hit hard and we shut, shut everything down from March to May, and then we started meeting outside. So one year ago today, it was our last time meeting in this very building until October of last year. Um, strange. We're all a year older. I have less hair today than I did then, but I didn't have much then. Anyway, so we were sitting around talking about the pandemic and what we could do, what our church could do, how we could meet a need, and we believe that God has birthed in us a need of this neighborhood, of this community, and Keisha, all the way from Silver Valley, North Carolina, does anybody know where Silver Valley's at? You shouldn't. You need to forget about it right now. All you need to know is Denton and Thomasville, and that's it. Uh, Keisha's going to share with you our vision and what we see and how, we, how it's going to work, um, and uh, go ahead. Okay, so um, what we have um, kind of brainstormed and come up with um, is the idea of doing supplemental food boxes for the families in our surrounding neighborhood, um, things that are non-perishable, um, and mainly focusing on the children, the children who um, a lot of times due to work schedules, just any kind of conflict are left at home a lot um, during the summer because their parents have to work and do things. Um, So things that the kids could just open up and eat, things that they could pop in the microwave um, safely and eat. So what we hope to start doing is um, Alex is going to send you guys something in the email with details about all of the foods that we're requesting. This week. Yeah, so um, be on the lookout for that, Um, but we're just hoping to start collecting food now. Our first food giveaway we have scheduled for June the 9th. Um, We hope to do every Wednesday of the summer until Ashboro City Schools go back. Um, It will be 11 weeks in total. Um, We kind of come up with an idea. We have no idea. Obviously, we've never done this before, so we have no idea, you know, how many people we'll serve. Um, Obviously, we want to serve as many as possible. Um, Our goal is 50 a week, which is a lot, you know, Um, but we know we can do it. We're planning ahead. Um, We're asking for your help. This is something that um, 
all three of us really feel strongly about, especially just helping this neighborhood and helping the kids in this neighborhood. Um, and it's something that we won't be able to do without the help and support from you guys. So if you will, just look in your email this week. And if you don't get the email, let us know. And I'll be sure that you get a paper copy of uh, the details and the things that we're requesting. And if you'll start bringing them just on Sunday mornings, you can leave them in the foyer. Um, we'll be happy to take them over to the fellowship hall. We're going to organize everything and just kind of figure out the best way um, to set these boxes up so that these kids just have a little something extra to get them through the summer. Is that everything? Yes. I think. Okay. All right, so if you have any questions, just see me or Alex or Michael. Um, like I said, we've never done this before, so it's certainly um, something that we could use all the help and all the advice if you guys are familiar with doing anything like this. Um, we're hoping that on Sundays after church, uh, starting in June or probably the end of May, we can um, have a few volunteers each Sunday to help us box the meals so that they're ready to give out on that Wednesday. Obviously, we'll need some help on Wednesdays, too, uh, when it comes to giving these out. So just let us know if you guys have any questions. Um, I hope you guys get as excited about this as we are. Um, we think it's a great opportunity to reach this community, to reach the kids in this community, to reach the adults in this community, um, and to let them see what church to us is truly about. It's not just about helping ourselves and being here on Sundays. It's about teaching other people um, what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a believer. So we hope that you guys um, can get on board with us and help us out. Thank you. Give Keisha a hand. All right, y'all. Here's what I'm thinking. Those Wednesdays when we give food out to people, it's going to be a big circle drive through. They drive through, they pick it up. But they're not here just to get food. You know why they're not here just to get food? Because we are going to offer them so much more than just food. We want people in the parking lot talking to these people that are from this community that's on our campus. We want to get to know them. We want to pray for them. We want to love them. We want to share our meals with them and share the gospel with them while they are here. They'll be getting much more than just a box of food. Amen? Amen. Sweet. We're looking forward to it. All right. Let's get to the good stuff. Well, it's all good. Let's be honest. Let's get to the word. Last week, we talked about Genesis 28. We've got two more weeks this week and next week in the book of Genesis, and then we'll be done with the book of Genesis, and then we're going to talk about Easter. Y'all, I love Easter. Is Easter anybody else's favorite holiday? TJ's, my man. Haley, I see you. Bill, I got you. I love Easter. Uh, Easter Sundays, April the 4th. Make your plans today to be here on the best Sunday of the year. Our plan as of right now is to meet that Sunday, 10 o'clock, outside in the parking lot. Uh, so plan on bringing your chairs, plan on being outside, all that good stuff on Sunday, April the 4th at 10 o'clock. Obviously, if it's 30 degrees, we're not meeting outside. And if it's raining, we're not meeting outside. But the plan right now uh, is to have Easter Sunday outside on April the 4th. Cool? Cool. So last week we talked about Genesis 28 when Jacob had a dream. He saw the Lord in his dream, saw a ladder, saw angels going up and down the ladder, saw the Lord standing at the top. And Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. And we talked about all the ways where God is involved in our lives and we may not even be aware of it. 
We can't see it. We don't understand it. But we have faith and trust and hope and belief that the word is true, that surely the Lord is in our lives even if we can't see it. Even if we can't see him working and we can't know what he's doing, we have faith to know that God is with us at all times. Today, we're going to look at the very next chapter in Genesis 29. A little background on Genesis 29 before we get there, though. Genesis 29 is about Jacob again and about a young lady named Rachel, her sister Leah, and their dad Laban. Here's what happens in Genesis chapter 29. This is right after Jacob had that dream and saw the Lord in his dream. Jacob went to a town, and in the town he met a young lady named Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. I mean, he loved Rachel. The first part of Genesis 29 talks about this meeting. And Jacob did a couple things to get Rachel's attention. One, he moved a rock off of a well for her. Now, history will tell you in this time, it takes three or four people to move the covering of a well off the, off the well to get the water. Not for Jacob. Jacob was showing off for his girl, Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. He said, I'm going to move this rock by myself. Boys, uh, if you are single today, or if you know anybody that's single today, I will give you some, some tips. I'll give you uh, some tips on how to get the lady's attention. Y'all ready? Write this down. Show off for her. Go move something heavy. Move something big. Find the biggest rock in your yard and just push it out of the way. That's what Jacob did. Jacob moved the, the top off the well. Not only did Jacob move the top off the well, but the word says that Jacob then kissed her. Before he even spoke a word to Rachel, he kissed her. Tip number two, just go around kissing women. <laughs> Ordinarily, I would not condone such a thing, but the word does, so... I'm joking, I kid. So Rachel, or Rachel, Jacob did the whole Pepe Le Pew deal, you know, where he kissed her upper arm type deal. I'm sure it's what he did, if I had to guess. Uh, I think that's what he did. Uh, he kissed her. He was in love with her. The Bible says that Rachel was attractive, said she was physically beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel. And then finally, tip number three, Jacob fed her sheep water, watered her sheep. Boys, if you want to get the women's attention, Mop your kitchen, sweep your house, mow your yard, clean your house. The women love that kind of stuff. Right, ladies? I know it. I've been married for several years now. I know the deal. I know how it goes. Jacob loved Rachel, wanted to be with Rachel. So Jacob stayed with Rachel and her dad, Laban, which was Jacob's uncle, uh, for, uh, for a month. After the month was over, Laban come to Jacob and said, Listen, like, I appreciate you staying, but I want to pay you for your work. You've been helping me with my, with my animals. You've been helping me with the sheep. I want to pay you for, my, for your work. And so Jacob says, well, how about this? How about I'll work for you for seven years. I'll be here working with you for seven years. And then at the end of seven years, you let your daughter, Rachel, marry me. Laban said, that's a good deal. I'll do that. Now, and this time, there was a dowry that you had to pay to marry a lady, right? The dowry was this. It was set at 50 shekels. 
that was the most you would have to pay to get married in biblical times was 50 shekels. The book of Deuteronomy lays this out. 50 shekels you would have to pay the lady's dad to be able to marry her. 50 shekels. Now, uh, Jacob agreed to work for seven years to marry Rachel. The average wage for seven years of work, the average wage per year, was six to 12 shekels per year. So you times that by seven, Jacob paid anywhere from 42 shekels to 84 shekels to be able to marry Rachel. Y'all, Jacob loved Rachel. You get the picture. You get, you get the point here. Jacob loved, he would do anything. He would work for seven years. Uh, he would be a slave to Laban for seven years. He would pay 42 to 84 shekels to be able to marry Rachel. Uh, uh, Jacob loved Rachel. So what happened was at the end of the seven years, it come time for the wedding. They had the wedding. Um, and then during the wedding, Laban, the dad, pulled a little switcheroo. This is like straight out of like the old TV show Dallas or something that you would see on some soap opera back in the day. Laban pulled a little uh, switcheroo, and the switcheroo was this. Rachel had an older sister. Her older sister's name was Leah. Leah was older than Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. During the wedding, Laban pulled a little switcheroo, and he pulled out Rachel, and he substituted in Leah and Jacob ended up marrying Leah. By the way, boys, let me give you another dating tip. Be sure you're marrying the person you think you're marrying at your wedding. Don't let the daddy pull a little switcheroo on you. I don't care if they're twins. I don't care if they look alike. I don't care if they both have long hair. Just make sure you know you're marrying the person you think you're marrying. Cool? Write that down. Put it on your refrigerator. Read it every day. It'll help you out. Okay, here we go. Laban pulled a little switch, got Leah in there. Then Jacob was married to Leah. Once Jacob realized what happened, he's like, wait a minute. This is not what I planned. This is not what we agreed on. We agreed that I would work for seven years. I would marry Rachel, and then you put in Leah, and I don't want to marry Leah. I want to marry Rachel because I love Rachel. All of a sudden, we see in Genesis 29, we see Jacob. Remember Genesis 28 and Genesis 27 when Jacob dressed up as his brother Esau to steal his blessing from his father Isaac? Well, all of a sudden in Genesis 29, we see the player getting played. We see the one that deceived and lied to his dad to steal his brother's blessing. We see the exact same thing now happening to him by Laban switching his daughters at his wedding. We see what Jacob was the master at. We see him getting it done to him here in Genesis 29. However, Genesis 29 is not about Jacob. Genesis 29 is really not about Rachel. Genesis 29 is not even about Laban. Genesis 29 is about Leah. So let's see what we know about Leah. We read in verses uh, 16 through 18 says this. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older daughter was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your daughter, Rachel. So there we see the difference between Leah and Rachel. Rachel was beautiful. 
uh, Leah says she has weak eyes. Now, the word weak right there means delicate, means delicate. I don't know if she had like two lazy eyes type deal or what, whatever the, whatever the case may be. If you've heard Charles talk about this over the years, um, he says the word weak means cow, C-O-W. Like he's, Leah has cow eyes. Can you understand why maybe Jacob wasn't interested? I can kind of see it. I don't know. Whatever. What, whatever, the, whatever. I don't care. Whatever. Whatever he likes. Whatever he likes. The point being this. Rachel was the one that Jacob wanted. Leah was the one that she did not want. Think for a minute. Put yourself in Leah's shoes for just a couple of minutes. Leah was not attractive. Jacob didn't want her. Her dad Laban used her to get seven more years of work out of Jacob because he knew if I switched these two girls, Jacob would probably stay with me seven more years, do seven more years of work, plus pay me some more shekels so that he can marry the girl that he actually wants to marry, which is Rachel. I'm going to use my older daughter, Leah, to get more work and more money out of Jacob. Leah was the one that nobody wanted. She was the one that nobody loved. She was the one that was an outcast. She was the one that was pushed aside so that Rachel could have what she wanted. Have you ever been in Leah's shoes? You ever had a time in your life where you thought, man, the person that I want doesn't want me. You ever had a time in your life where you thought, the people that I love, they don't love me back. You ever felt unloved, ever felt unwanted, ever felt unappreciated? If you have, then you've felt like Leah. Not only that, once Jacob realized, like, I married Leah and I wanted Rachel, he told Laban, so this is not what we planned on. This was not our agreement. This was not our deal. Laban said, we can do this. Said, after your, after your wedding and after your ceremony and after your week-long long festivities and your week-long party with Leah, if you agree to stay with me seven more years, then I will let you marry Rachel. Jacob agreed. So not only did Leah have to get tricked into marrying Jacob by her dad, not only did Leah have to marry a man that did not want to be with her, but now one week into this marriage, she's having to compete and battle with her sister, with the beautiful sister, with the sister that everybody loves, with the sister that Jacob really wanted. She's having to battle her for her husband's attention, knowing that he really wants to be with Rachel and not Leah. You ever been there? You ever felt like a nobody? Ever felt like you're going nowhere? Ever felt like you were by yourself? You were all alone. Nobody cares. Nobody loves. Get used all the time. Get mistreated all the time. My guess would be the answer is yes. My guess would be the answer would be you and I both could say, I've been there. Maybe for you it was a husband or a wife that made you feel unloved, that made you think you were not good enough that used you, that made you believe you would never be good enough. Maybe for you, it was a mom or dad. Maybe your mom and dad did not show you love like you needed. Maybe they used you to get something for their life. Maybe they mistreated you. Maybe they made you feel unappreciated. 
Maybe it was an employee or an employer. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a coworker. If I had to guess today, we could all say there have been people in our lives over the years that tore us down, that made us feel unloved, that used us, that took advantage of us, that we had to compete with somebody else to get their attention even though they didn't want our attention back. I believe there's a couple reasons today why we, why we feel like nobody's going nowhere. There's a couple, well, there's several reasons, but we're just going to quickly talk about two of them. Um, two reasons why we feel unloved. Number one, number one, um, when we put our faith in people and not in the Lord, we feel like a nobody going nowhere. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and here's what I mean. When we, look for, when we look at people trying to get what only God can give us and those people don't give us what we need because only God can give us what we need, that will make us feel like a nobody going nowhere. When you look at a husband or a wife to give to you what only God can provide for you, and once that husband and wife fails, because that husband and wife will fail, because you're expecting something from them that only can come from heaven, then that will make you feel like a nobody going nowhere. Does that make sense? Once you look to a friend and look to a relationships and your friendships for you to get something out of that that only God can give you, Leah was looking to Jacob, looking to her husband for love and affection and appreciation and connection and a relationship. She wasn't getting it from him, so she probably felt like a nobody going nowhere because she was looking for a man to do what only God can do for her. When we find ourselves in that trap, when we find ourselves in that trouble, where we start to have godly expectations on human people, let me tell you something. Can I give you a little tip here? They will let you down. You will let them down. Right? Tell the truth. (laughs) Tell the truth. Having godly expectations on people will make you feel like a nobody going nowhere. Number two, I forgot number two. Good thing I got notes over here, y'all. These notes kind of keep me focused. Oh, yes, the best point. I know this point. I've preached this point before. I should know this. When your performance is more important than your faith, you will feel like a nobody going nowhere. What do I mean by performance? You ever check off your Christian checklist every day? Anybody have a Christian checklist? I hope not. If you do, tear it up and throw it away right now. If you don't know what a Christian checklist is, here's what a Christian checklist is. Did you read your Bible today? Check. Did you tell somebody about Jesus today? Check. Did you not smoke any cigarettes today? Check. Did you not take a drink of alcohol today? Check. Did you listen to K-Love all day in the car? Check. Did you watch a rated R movie today? No. Check. You ever start checking off your Christian checklist? You ever think, I did good today. I only said three cuss words today. Can I be honest with you? No, I can't. Yeah, I can. Some days, three cuss word days are good days. Right? Y'all are too Christian for me. Y'all are too Christian for me. We go through our Christian checklist and we think, man, I did good today. 
I did really good today. I'm going to heaven. It's all about performance. It's all about how I look. It's all about me doing the right thing. It's all about me doing everything that I can do to get to heaven. Once we start to believe that lie, that it's all about performance, because once we believe that lie, then the next thing that's going to happen is one day we're not going to check all the boxes on our Christian checklist. What happens when you don't check all the boxes on your Christian checklist? You feel like a nobody going nowhere because you failed. Right? You tried your best. I tried really hard today. But I only checked three boxes out of ten. I'm such a loser. I'm such a failure. Truth is, the truth is, your performance has got nothing to do with you going to heaven. How you live your life has got nothing to do with you going to heaven. Now let me say this before, before you think I'm a heretic. You cannot perform well enough to go to heaven. James says, faith leads to deeds. Faith leads to good deeds. You want to live a Christ-like life? Great. I want to live a Christ-like life too. I would like to live a Christ-like life with you. The truth is this. We cannot live a Christ-like life. Only through faith in God in us can we live a Christ-like life. Then and only then can we see a change and a difference in our lives and in our attitudes and in our relationships because it's not us doing it, it's God doing it through us. Then that performance is not about me. It's not about how good I am and what I do. It's about, oh, the Lord is living life through me. It's God living through me. It's not me forgiving you. It's God forgiving you through me. It's not me serving you. It's me serving you with the, with the Lord's help. It's not about performance. It's about faith. Paul says it this way in the book of Philippians chapter 3. I should have marked this spot, y'all. I did. I'm so dumb. Paul says it this way in in Philippians chapter 3. But whatever were gains to me, stop. This is verse 7. The first six verses, Paul lays out all the good stuff he's done, all the great stuff. He lays out his Christian checklist. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Check. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin check. I know the law. I'm a Pharisee. I know the law. Check. I persecuted the church when they didn't uh, meet the law. Check. I've done all the right stuff. I performed well. I performed well. I did it all. And then Paul says this, but whatever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. All that good stuff we do, Paul says is garbage. Your Christian checklist, Paul says garbage compared to knowing Christ. Keep reading. And be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of 
faith. Can I encourage you this morning, if your Christian life is based on how you perform and based on how you live, can I encourage you to tear up that Christian checklist, to throw it away, to rip it up because it's garbage. It's only through Christ in you can you even begin to perform for the Lord. And then it's not you performing, it's God doing it through you. Amen? When you try to perform for the Lord, you will fail. Why will you fail? Because we're human. It happens to all of us. For all have sinned and fallen short. Amen? We've all fallen short. We've all sinned before. We will all sin again. That will make you feel like a failure. That will make you feel like Leah. So how did... How did God respond to Leah? Verse 39, Genesis 29, verse 31, I'm sorry. Verse 31 says this. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, when the Lord saw that Leah was not wanted, when the Lord saw that Leah was pushed to the side, he allowed her to have a baby. I would like to think, I would like to think that there's better ways the Lord can tell me he loves me rather than having to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning with a crying kid, rather than having to change poopy diapers all day. Right, Alex? <laughs> Alex is like, Yep. The Lord saw that Leah was not loved. So he allowed her to conceive, but Rachel could not. If you're here this morning and you're in one of those seasons where you're feeling unloved, where there's somebody in your life, or there's some situation in your life that has caused you to believe that you're unloved or has pushed you to the side or has forgotten about you or has not appreciated you, can I tell you two quick or three quick things? One, God sees you. God saw Leah. God saw that Leah was not loved. God sees what you're going through. God sees the relationships that you're in. God sees the situation that you're in. Two, God knows you. God knows what you're going through. God knows the relationship. God knows the situation. And three, God will bless you in the middle of that situation. God will bless you in the middle of that relationship. God will bless you in the middle of those feelings and emotions. David says it this way in Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue... Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in and behind, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Real quickly here, when David says that you lay your hand upon me, what he's talking about is what we talked about last week in Genesis when Isaac blessed Jacob instead of Esau. What happens is the son, when an old, older man was getting ready to pass, the sons, the children, the grandchildren would come to the old man and he would simply lay his hand upon their head 
and speak a blessing over them. He would speak prayers over them. He would speak a word of hope, a word of a future over them by simply laying his, their hand upon their head. What David here is saying, God has laid his hand upon your head. Can I encourage you today that God sees you, that God knows you, and God has blessed you today. God sees Rachel. God sees Leah. He knows what Leah's going through, and he has laid his hand upon her head. God sees the struggle that you're in. God sees the pain that you're going through. God sees the struggle, the valley that you're facing. God knows you, and God has laid his hand upon your head as well with nothing but blessings, with love, with encouragement, with hope, with a future, with plans. God sees, God knows, and God blesses. So how does God react when we feel like a nobody going nowhere? He sees, he knows, and he blesses. Real quickly here, let's keep reading. Keep reading Genesis 29, verse 32. Look at the names of the kids that, that Leah had. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Verse 33, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord had heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Verse 34, again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So, she, so, she named, so his name was Levi. She had three boys, Reuben, Simeon, Levi. All those names have a great meaning. Reuben means this. It means see a son. God saw that I was unloved, and he gave me a son. Simeon means the one who hears. This could mean one of two different things. It could mean, one, Leah was praying to God. God heard her prayer and sent her another son. Or two, which I think may be more likely, it could mean that I have a son. Now my husband will hear me. See, I have a son now he will hear me. The third son's name was Levi. Levi means attached. Leah said, now that I have these three boys, maybe my husband will be attached to me. Maybe my husband will be connected to me. See, I have a son. He hears me. Now he will be attached to me. Can you see in the, in the text here, all Leah wants is to be loved by Jacob. Can you see it? All Leah wants is to be loved and accepted and be affectionate and be appreciated with her husband, Jacob. The problem is, as the old country song says, she was looking for love in all the wrong places, right? She was trying to get something that only God can give through her husband, Jacob. She was trying to get love that fulfilled her heart that only God can give her through her husband, Jacob. 
we get ourselves in great trouble when we try to find godly things in mortal people. We get ourselves in great trouble. Then finally, in verse 35, she has another son. Read this verse. Check this out. Verse 35. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. The word Judah means to praise. The word Judah means to praise. Leah said, this time I will praise the Lord. Can I challenge you today? If you find yourself in one of those unloving situations, if you find yourself feeling unloved, unappreciated, can I challenge you, as Leah did, to praise the Lord, no matter what? You're feeling unloved, praise. You're feeling loved, praise. If you're feeling appreciated, praise. If you're not feeling appreciated, praise the Lord. Amen. If you're feeling sick, praise the Lord. You're healthy, praise the Lord. If you're full, praise the Lord. If you're hungry, praise the Lord. If you're down, praise the Lord. If you're up, praise the Lord. If you're on the mountaintop, praise God. If you're in the valley, praise the Lord. Leah finally realized when, when uh, Judah was born, it doesn't matter what happens around me. It doesn't matter. I can't control how my husband views me. I can't control my relationship with people. All I can control is I'm going to praise the Lord no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter where I'm facing, no matter how it looks, no matter how bleak or dim it looks, it does not matter. I will praise the the Lord. Can I tell you today, there is no better place to be today. I don't care if you're in the valley or on the mountaintop. There's no better place to be today than be in a place where you can say, I will praise the Lord. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen, Larry. Larry said it don't matter. I'm praising the Lord. Amen? Amen. Come on up, band. We're going to praise. We're going to clap. We're going to shout. We're going to sing. We're going to kneel. We're going to bow. We are simply going to praise the Lord no matter what. Amen?